Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Solid Grounds in Shaky Times. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org or you could always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. I'm glad to have them today. You know, during, uh, during the last few weeks, I, there was one day I loaded up my grandkids in my car and took them to Chick-fil-A in Framingham. And uh, how many of you think Chick-fil-A should run the world? <laughs> or, or Whole Foods, I mean. <laughs> so uh, we, we're on our way and driving down, and, and, and this has been stressful for all of us. And anybody who says it's not, I think they just have a lying problem with lying. This has been stressful and, and just for many, many reasons. And we're driving down the, the turnpike, and there in the sky was a double rainbow in the sky. And I had my grandson take a picture of it. And I felt like, you know, that day I needed something that day. I needed God to remind me that he's still on the throne. And the Lord really used that in my heart. And, you know, in the Bible, when there's, when there's double, it means it's for emphasis. Verily, verily, I say unto you. That means you better listen. Isaiah got triples. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. So God told me that day in my heart, I just want to I would put two rainbows because I want to make sure you know that I am a promise-keeping God and everything's going to be okay. So seeing you here today is so special because it reminds me and holding in your hand, this is God's rainbow that's there every day. This is his covenant. The rainbow was a covenant that he wouldn't destroy the earth by water. This is a covenant that you will not be destroyed by the, by the power of sin or the judgment on sin. You are free. That's what this double rainbow in your hand stands for. And it, first of all, let's take out this symbol of the body of the Lord. Broken body, your sins were placed on his body. Therefore, they can never be held against you again. Somebody say amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this symbol of a, a broken Savior who went into a grave, went into hell and took from Satan the keys of death and the hell and the grave, rose from the dead to save us forever. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Lord, you knew. You knew that you're a promise-keeping God, but even though we love you and we're trying, we're a promise-breaking people. So you provided your blood that we could have forgiveness, restoration all along the way. And we can over and over again experience the gospel even though we're already Christians. So we receive the blood of Jesus today, in Jesus' name, amen. 
So, today's sermon, let me tell you how it came about. Uh, on Monday or Tuesday of this week, I got to thinking, you know, I just can't go back to the series. This is a special time, and I want to, I want something that's, it's something that fits the occasion. We're coming back to church, and we're still in the middle of a very trying time in our nation and in our world. So I asked Elise, I said, Elise, what do you, I'm not going to preach this series this Sunday. What do you think I should preach on? She said, you should preach on joy. And um, I said, well, okay, uh, that sounds good. And the next morning we're in prayer, the Zoom prayer room. We've been praying every day. And uh, uh, Sylvia George, Sylvia, are you here? There you are. Sylvia George brought me this, brought us this insight about uh, the word peace in Colossians, meaning a referee. So God becomes, Jesus becomes the referee for your emotions if you let him. And so that was, that was kind of, man, I'm getting a sermon outline. Next morning I go on, I have another Zoom meeting. Uh, 97 pastors in a Zoom meeting. And they ask uh, um, Philip, Phil Morgan, pastor in Connecticut, with this lovely British accent, to do the devotion that day. And he said, my devotion today is a return to joy. And he did this outstanding devotion. I, in fact, I reached out to him and told him. I said, I'm going to use some of that today in my sermon. So I think God wants us to talk about joy. And so we're calling it Solid Ground in Shaky Times. Oh, by the way, this is Pentecost Sunday, right? This is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is where the foundation of Christianity was, was laid for how we're to live out the Christian life. If you ever wonder but what the Christian life's all about, go read Acts chapter 2. Go back there time and time again, and you'll say, okay, here's, here's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And so we see uh, the foundations were laid. Part of the foundation was international, interracial unity because people from all nations were there. So it said every nation under heaven was represented in the crowd that day when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and they began to speak in other tongues. And every person from every nation understood what was being said. The foundation of uh, the theological foundation was laid that day. It was established that Jesus Christ had indeed risen from the dead and was the, was the hope of the world. Something else was established that day, and that was that the Christian life was to be founded on joy. That the solid foundation of the Christian life was to be joy. Because the Bible says that the, the, the Bible says that they said, or, or in, in Peter's defense that day, he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Now, I, I know very little about drinking or drunkenness, right? I haven't been around, a, I've been around a few drunk people in my life, but not a lot. But I, but I, I think I understand that drunkenness has a few manifestations. One is you could be catatonic, passed out drunk, you know. The other is you could be, I guess they're angry drunks, right? People who get angry and abusive when they start drinking. But then there's a happy drunk, now, 3,000 people decided that whatever those guys were drinking, they wanted to drink it too. So 120, so 3,000 people said, 
we want to drink what they're drinking. We want to have what they have. And if they would have been a manifestation of anger or frustration, a manifestation of being passed out, I don't think they would have wanted it. But 3,000 people said, sign us up for what those guys have, and we want to be one of them. We want to be BFFs with those guys. We want to join their fellowship. We want to join their church. Maybe that tells you why some people don't want to join some churches. <laughs> well, let's read it. John says, or Jesus said, Jesus, John wrote what Jesus said. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So there's the bad news and the good news. Bad news, I'm leaving you. The good news, I'm leaving you with the gift of emotional stability. I'm going to leave you with sanity. I'm going to leave you with joy, with peace. And, and also, if you read the, all the narrative there in all three or four chapters, 14, 15, 16, 17, and even 18, Jesus is preparing his disciples for what the next two months of their life is going to be like. And so he basically said in so many words, the next two months is going to be hell. The next two months is going to be miserable. And at the end of two months, you will find that the world will not have changed. But you will have changed. At the end of two months, you'll find out the world will still not make you happy, but you will be happy because my twin, the one who looks just like me and sounds just like me and talks just like me and acts just like me and does everything I do, my twin, the Holy Spirit, is going to live in the emotional center of your brain. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting to have something live in the emotional center of your brain. It sounds, it sounds more poetic to say Christ lives in your heart. But I believe that the Holy Spirit literally lives somewhere in the region of the amygdala where my emotions are controlled. I mean, that doesn't sound very poetic. or It's not romantic to tell your wife, I love you with all my amygdala. Don't do that. Now you say, I love you with all my heart. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something inside your cranium. Right? Let's read the next verse I want to read to you to wrap this up. In John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you so that my joy may be complete in you. Think about this for a minute. Think about what I'm reading. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy, uh, my joy may be in you and you, that your joy may be complete. And so Jesus is saying to them, okay, guys, for the next two months, the headlines in the Jerusalem Post and uh, Jerusalem Cable News is going to be that I am getting executed and buried, and this thing I've started is over. Can you, can you see the headlines? J Jesus movement 
done. Over. That's what that's what's going to be on the scroll across the bottom of your screen for the next two months. But, but guys, there's another place where there's headlines. There's headlines in heaven. And the headlines in heaven aren't going to say what the headlines in earth are saying. The headlines in heaven are going to say, Christ goes into the bowels of darkness, outer darkness, goes into the bowels of hell, strips from Satan the keys of death, hell, and the grave, ascends to the Father, ascends to the throne, offers himself as the perfect sacrifice. Humanity's sins are forgiven. The world is saved. (laughs) How many of you would be overjoyed? How many of you think you would be overjoyed? If you could go back to March the 15th. March 15th is the last time we had public service here. No stores were closed. No businesses were closed. You didn't have to wear a mask. No social distancing. No daily death counts coming across your television screens and your computer stories. No Ahmed Arbery videos of that poor man being killed and George Floyd being murdered. None of that. You, you, now, come on. Talk to me. It's hard to talk with a mask on, isn't it? How many think I would be overjoyed if I could go back to March 15th? But were you? I got you, didn't I? <laughs> A lot of you were not overjoyed. You were worried about stuff. You, had, you were angry about stuff. You were upset about stuff on March the 15th. So maybe you need to find a new center of joy. Maybe you need a Savior. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to move into the center of your brain. Let's talk about that today and how you make that happen. Here's how you make that happen. The solid ground of joy comes from knowing a happy God. Oh, you see, the good news about this sermon is about grace. This isn't about something you got to work up. It comes, ah, God isn't angry. God isn't sad. God isn't frustrated. God isn't upset. It comes from knowing and worshiping a happy God. Jesus said, I have told this to you so that my joy in you may be in you. So that my joy may be in you. So Jesus had to have joy in order to say, I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you. Now, don't separate God from Jesus. You say, well, Jesus was a nice guy, but his father was a a grouch. That's what a lot of people think. A lot of things, but Jesus was nice. He was sweet. But his dad was always angry. Because remember Mount Sinai? That was dad. Jesus heals the little children when to set in his lap, but dad, no children want to set in his lap. False, fake news. God's happy too. And I could, I could give you about... 30 minutes and 20 verses to prove to you that God is happy. But I'll give you all this. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. (laughs) 
When you picture God, though, do you picture a happy God or a sad God, a joyful God or a mad God, a delighted God or a stressed God, a happy God or a tired and exhausted God? What do you, feel? What do you see? You know, my, I grew up in church. Uh, uh, we, had a, we had a God like this. He had a magnifying glass in one hand, a club in the other, and a line for me to walk on. And if I got off the line, he had his magnifying glass to see if I got off of it a little bit, and he could club me with it, his club. That's the God that I tried to serve for a number of years. When you picture God, though, do you have a God who's never happy? You always, you're always struggling for his approval? That's not God. That's, that's somebody else you know. <laughs> that's somebody else you know. Uh, do, you, do you picture God who's never happy with humanity? And sure, God has his moments. Yes, God has his moments. And that's the scriptures you're thinking about when you say an unhappy God, an angry God, a judgmental God. God has his moments, as all people do. And we're made in his image. God has his moments when his wrath comes out. But his default is, is joy. His default is compassion. His default is love. And let me prove it to you with three passages right quick. Psalms 35, his anger lasts only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. You ever live around somebody or be somebody that stays mad for days? Not fun, is it? His anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Lamentations 3.22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I know God doesn't wake up because he never sleeps, the Bible says. But basically, God gets up every morning happy, full of mercy, full of compassion. He doesn't get up every morning without a headache. He gets up every morning delighted with you, delighted with his creation, and delighted with the plans he has for the world. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated weakness. Now, this verse is a verse about Jesus. So, so keep that in mind as I read it. This is about Jesus. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, Jesus, with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So if you wanted to tell somebody, the disciples are having a meeting over there, and I want you to go say hi to Jesus. And they would say, how will I know him? You would say... The way you will know Jesus is he will be the happiest guy in the room. If the way you will know Jesus is he will be telling the best jokes and he will be the most delighted, he will be the life of the party. Hey, is it any accident that the day of Pentecost was a party? Jimmy Mayo back there wrote a song one time called Praise Party. Is that, was that the name of the song? Or is that the name of the album? What? Both. Praise party. Maybe you can sing that later today. We, we, I think these people ain't going to want to leave. They're just going to stay here all day anyway. We'll just have a praise party. So the solid ground of joy is, begins with the object of your worship. And if you worship a God who's not happy always a little irritated, always a little ticked, and always a little disapproving of you and, and everybody else, by the way. If that's the God you worship, you're going to have a hard time entering into the joy of the Lord when you don't think he has any joy. 
Entering the joy of the Lord means you enter his joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength means his joy becomes your strength. Second thing I would say to you today is the solid ground of joy is, and this is so important, guys, is your primary spiritual battle. Striving for joy, entering into joy, is your primary spiritual battle. If you will win the battle to be joyful, almost every other battle in your life will be won. Almost every other thing that you want God to do through your life will be done if you will win the battle for joy. We fight the wrong battle. We fight the battle. Here's the battle we fight. We fight the battle of trying to change everything and everybody that's stealing our joy. If our spouse steals our joy, we go pray, say, God, you got to change them because they're making me unhappy. If the world makes us unhappy, which it does all the time, the world is making me ticked right now. I don't know about you. If the world makes us unhappy, we spend all of our prayer time praying that God will change the world, praying that God will change our circumstances. You know, you ask people, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, what are you doing under the circumstances? Don't be under the circumstances. Jeremiah is an awesome example. We think of Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. But Jeremiah wasn't just a weeping prophet. He was weeping because his circumstances were, were hellish. You think you're, we're having it rough? Go read the book of Jeremiah. Go read the account of what was happening in Israel before they were taken captive to Babylon. Life was horrible in the promised land. People were being murdered. People were starving. People were being executed right and left. People were being carried off to Babylon. Imagine if, imagine if a, a, an invading army began to take our citizens and we were seeing them loaded up on boats and taken away. It was horrible. And Jeremiah was honest. In fact, he wrote a whole book about it called Lamentations, about how emotionally distraught everything brought him. But there's a cool place in Jeremiah where he, uh, my dad would have called this the Pentecostal sandwich. He begins Jeremiah 13 talking about how difficult it is in his life. And then in the middle, he inserts something about joy, and then he tells more about the problems. And let me read it to you. Oh, Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Then in verse 16, I don't want you to miss this. I really don't want you to miss this today. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name. Jeremiah couldn't find any joy in the news. He couldn't find any joy in the headlines. And so he went and got the scrolls. I mean, you're lucky. You got it. You can it's got it in your phone, your telephone. You just you just get your little cell phone out and go to you version. He had to go get some scrolls somewhere and spread them out and read. And he found an emotional miracle started happening. He started getting happy. As he began to find out what God knew and what God was promising and what God was doing, 
He said, your words became to me a joy in the delight of my heart. Make joy your primary spiritual battle. Finally, I will say this to you today. The solid ground of joy is realized by those who believe being reconciled to God is the greatest thing that can ever happen to a human being. The solid ground of joy is when you believe that the greatest thing that can ever happen to any human being on earth is that they can be reconciled to Father God. Jesus said in chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Let me, let me ask you a series of questions, okay? Are you disturbed? Those of you who don't be ashamed if you're here today and you don't have much joy. You're probably a little different. If you're, you're either super spiritual and you're way more mature spiritually than the rest of us if you have a whole lot of joy or, or you're just um, uh, in denial. <laughs> but let me ask you. Let me ask us. Are you disturbed and without joy today because you've discovered that Christ did not rise from the dead? I'm painting you into a corner, I'll just tell you. <laughs> are you disturbed and without joy today because you have discovered your sins are not forgiven? Are you disturbed and without joy because you have discovered that the prophetic scriptures, none of them have come to pass? Are you disturbed and without joy because you have evidence that heaven and eternal life is not real? Years ago, I, I got invited to be a chaplain on a Caribbean cruise. It's tough to serve God sometimes. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> and I, I get on the boat. I'd never been on a big ship. Hardly been out at an ocean at all, but we get out there, it's beautiful and everything, but I start to get sick. I start to get motion sickness. And I, and I kept looking around for some place that wasn't moving. I go to my cabin. I go out in the ballroom. I go out on the deck. Couldn't, everything's moving. But you know, a day later, maybe 36 hours after the start of the cruise, I, was, I realized I wasn't sick anymore and I was enjoying it. But you know what? The, the ocean was still, was still rolling and the boat was still rocking. The change didn't happen in the environment. The ocean was still doing what the oceans do. The Bible even refers to humanity as a, as a, as a sea a raging sea. The ocean was still doing what it does. The boat was still rocking. But something happened in here. In my inner ear, my inner ear got adjusted because what happens when your eyes and your feet are telling you two different things. Your eyes see, oh, the room, I'm in a stable, I'm in a stable room. And your feet are going, no, you're not. <laughs> and and when, you, when you're when inside your inner ear, and I don't understand how to explain the, the, the particulars of this, but your inner ear is something going on in there that 
doesn't give you stability. You know, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, the Bible says hearing comes by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, I mean, and hearing comes by the Word of God. I believe the Word of God is what restores your equilibrium. It's not stopping the ocean from rocking and stopping the boat from rocking and stopping the world. Make Yeah, give the Lord a hand for that. It's, it's not stopping the world from, it's, it, you know, John Mayer was right. Waiting on the world to change. You'll keep singing that song the rest of your life. But you can change because Jesus changed everything for you. Jesus changed everything. He lives inside of you. The kingdom of God is within you. I said, the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is three things. According to the book of Romans, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want you to change your focus today. That's what I want you to do. Are you disturbed because after hours of fervent prayer and Bible reading, you still don't feel better? Is that what you're disturbed about? No. I've... I know I backed you into a corner and I stripped away your flimsy excuses for not having joy because Jesus is still on the throne and you're still saved and you're still redeemed. Now, it's likely that nothing you're unhappy about has any eternal or, uh, or forever consequences, any eternal value or consequences. And don't feel guilty about that. Don't feel guilty about that at all. You can't do this on your own. You need Jesus to do this. You need two resurrections. You need the resurrection of Jesus, and you need the resurrection of yourself. In biblical times, you know, it was a, it was a, um, it was a uh, culture of kings and, and royalty. If you had a problem in biblical culture, you didn't, you didn't call your congressman or write your senator or any of that. You know, I, I was, uh, a, a month, five weeks ago, I was on the phone with our state senator, who, by the way, is a fine Christian, Ryan Fatman. I was on the phone with him, making my case for why the churches should open. Making my case. I said, listen, listen, brother, I can keep them as safe as Walmart can. I said, I think I can even do better. <laughs> and uh, we're proving that today, aren't we? But see, amen, amen. <laughs> in, in, in 1, 2, 3 B.C., and, 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 or I mean B.C. and A.D., I meant to say, or anyway, that period of time, you didn't call your senator and you didn't call your congressman. You went before the king if you were lucky enough to get an audience with the king. And you were very careful about what you asked for because he might say off with your head. So you thought very carefully about what you were going to ask for. Now, Jesus is the king, and he doesn't ever say off with your head, no matter what you ask for. That's the good news, right? But what if you spent, what if you cut it in half, and you prayed half as much about changing circumstances in the world, and not, you need to pray for that, you, but you prayed half as much about get, having, getting rid of the coronavirus, and you prayed half as much about opening up the economy, and you prayed half as much about stopping the chaos, and you, can, you, you, you prayed that other half saying to God and saying to Jesus, Jesus, would you be the center of my joy? Would you be the center of my joy? 
Would you be the center of my joy? You might be really surprised that the boat could still be rocking and the ocean could still be moving, but you could have a peace that passeth understanding when you dare to ask Jesus be the center of my joy. God, we thank you that you are the center of our joy and that you are reliable. You don't let us down. You don't change your mind. We can count on you. We thank you for that, Jesus. Now, today I want to um, pray for you guys, and I want to pray for two groups of people. And the, the first group are, I am sure that there are people in this room, myself included, that we just need our joy to be refreshed. We need our joy to be reset. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and do that in a supernatural way, because whatever the circumstances are that we're getting you down when you walked in this morning, are pretty much still there. <laughs> and we have a God who has given us so much to be joyful about. Um, we we want to return to the joy of our salvation. And then the second group is, I don't know if there's anybody here today that you have not made a decision to follow Christ, and you're ready to do that today. You're ready to give your life to him and commit to follow him and we are so excited about that and and that's 
the greatest decision you could ever make is to give your life to God. Give your life to Jesus who died for you so that you could live with him for eternity. And not only that, so that while you are living on this earth, no matter what is happening, you can live life to the fullest because that's what Christ came for and died for. So if you've make, you're making that choice today, we want to know about it. Let somebody know here before you leave. Or we have um, in our app that you can find on the App Store, the BCC app. There are many ways to get connected and that we have some next steps for you. So please let somebody know if you make that choice. Call the office. Send an email. Let's stand and we're going to pray. God, I thank you for these beautiful, wonderful people, Lord. I'm so thankful to be in this room today worshiping and hearing your good word today for us together in one place. And I pray, Lord, for the people that are part of our community who are not here yet today. We pray, God, that you would um, just transmit this message straight to their souls and that we would be a community that is a light in the darkness, people who are full of joy, who are confident, who are not afraid, that we're not beaten down by fear and anxiety and, and uncertainty, but we are certain we stand on a solid rock. There is nothing to be afraid of. And God, I pray that you would just help us as we go to the grocery store and some of us go to our jobs and we continue to get on Zoom calls, that we wouldn't just be weighed down by all of it. We'd be full of joy. And for this next prayer, I'm going to ask that you repeat after me. I know it's hard with the mask, but you can do it. Turn the volume up a little bit so everybody can hear your voice. Dear Jesus, we can do better. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life right now. I give you all of me. And I want to serve you for the rest of my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I accept your forgiveness. And I want to know you more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.